Have you ever wondered what lies beyond the deep blue sea? Maybe you have been anxious to dip your toes in the water of discovery and explore the ocean floor. Or maybe, just maybe, you have often thought of discovering something as unique as the Titanic. Welcome to this week's Inside OSU podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Briggs. This week, we're going to the archives. Robert Ballard joins us to discuss his recent discoveries in ocean life forms, his discovery of the Titanic nearly 35 years ago, and even his discovery of President Kennedy's PT-109 that wrecked in April of 1943. This interview was recorded in early 2013. Here is Robert Ballard speaking with OSU President Burns Hargis on this week's Inside OSU podcast. You found the battleship Bismarck? Yep, and uh, President Kennedy's BT-109. Yeah. And the Yorktown and a few other things. But actually... Now, did you just stumble onto those things? No, no, or no, that was, that was my mission. I was, you know, I was, that was, I was after that. But I did those for National Geographic. But my favorite discoveries are the ones when we tripped over more important things, like what? new life forms and hydrothermal vents and yeah. mineral deposits and really honest discoveries because... Yeah. Uh, those are the ones I'm proudest of. Actually. Well, you had one that certainly would get some note, and that is finding uh, some evidence of uh, of the uh, the big flood. Yep, I, well, we're going to be back in there again, the Black Sea. Yeah, you. Uh, did we you, went were in. you looking for anything in particular? Well, you know, we were going into the Black Sea because uh, there's no oxygen below 200 meters, so it's it preserves ancient history. We just found a ship down there, preserved from 500 BC that had human remains on it. Wow. Because of the anoxia. So we went in there actually to look for ancient shipwrecks. But just as I was going, I read this book by uh, two colleagues of mine at Columbia University called Noah's Flood, where they predicted that the biblical flood actually occurred in the Black Sea, because that's where the Bible puts it, Mount Ararat, Turkey. Mm -hmm. So we, th we thought we'd take a side trip and see if we could uh, find that ancient shoreline we did. We went down, found where it was before the flood occurred. And were houses there? And no, no. There were. Uh, we found a, it was like a foundation, but uh, we're going to go back because you'll never, you know, the ark. You're not going to find that, but you might want to find the people that built it. And and, and there was an area uh, about 7,500 years ago, about 5,500 BC, during the period of oral history before they started writing things down, when there was this uh, big area of real estate that remember sea level was much lower because during the ice age because mm -hmm. uh, during the height of the ice age or during the Wisconsin ice advance uh, there was 15 million cubic kilometers of ice that was on land that isn't there now and when that went back in yeah it rose sea level, and that caused the breakthrough at the Bosporus but there was 150,000 square kilometers of very fertile farmland you know very fertile uh, Area around a fresh. It was connected then. It was, not then. Actually, it was a freshwater lake, like the Caspian and the Sea. Was, the Strait was, 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 was high up. Yeah. You know, so the, the Mediterranean was too low; couldn't get over. And so, as sea level rose and rose and rose and rose, it finally broke through, and then came in like a cannonball, and flooded that 150,000 square kilometers. And it's a bad day in Black Rock. Amen. Talk a little bit about. Uh, the uh, like you say the new life forms and well you know when we were uh, when I was going to school way back when uh, my biology book said that you know all life was due to photosynthesis and 
we needed, you know, we were lucky to have plants that, that they, we exhaled our carbon dioxide and they took them in and gave us oxygen and that was how it all worked. Until we made a discovery that turned that whole thing upside down through the book out the door. What was that? Discovery? We found a, an entire complex life system, and not just a couple critters, but an entire ecosystem that was not living off the sun. It Where was it? It was in, off the Galapagos Islands, about 9,000 feet down on a mountain range with all sorts of active volcanoes. I mean, it's the last place you'd expect to find friendly things. And we found amazing concentrations. There were two worms 10 feet tall with a pint of human-like blood in them. There was big clams. When you opened them up, they looked like liver. You know, they had human-like blood. And then when you opened them up, they had a critter in them. And that was the key. They, inside the guts of all these big critters was a bacterium that had figured out how to duplicate photosynthesis in the absence of the sun, living not off the energy of the sun, but off the earth itself. And that just, that completely rewrote the books. And it told us that this probably where life began on our planet. But more importantly, it, it showed us that this, these extremophiles can live on meteorites and can get around from planet to planet. So there's very high probability there's life throughout the universe. Now, will we ever see it? Probably not, because we can't get there because of the speed of light. But I, I wave a lot, you know, I go yeah. out, because uh, I look up at the sky and I see people looking back. Well, let, let's, let's back up, because it's really a remarkable story. I mean, how did you, uh, I mean, you're a scientist, Yep, right? geologist. And uh, then you, yeah, in fact, your undergrad was in chemistry and Chemistry geology. and geology, and I minored in physics and math. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you were, where were you born? I was born in Wichita, Kansas, where all oceanographers <laughs> come from, you know? And uh, but then but, I grew up in Southern California. Yeah, that's next to the biggest oceanographic institution in the world. That's right. I got a scholarship when I was in high school. Went out on my first expedition, 1959. Got rescued by the Coast Guard. I thought that was cool, but <laughs> uh, only a 19-year-old would think that was cool. But yeah, we almost sank well, in a storm. Well, talk about a little bit of your your journey that made you want to find the Titanic and how you went about it. Well, it all for me. It all began uh, reading 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea when I was a kid. And I wanted so to be Captain. Verne, I wanted to be Captain Nemo. Yeah. And I told my parents, I want to be Captain Nemo, and they didn't laugh, fortunately, because you should never laugh at a kid's dream, even if it's silly. They worked with me on it, and they said, "Well, tell me a little bit more about Captain Nemo." I said, "Well, he had a submarine, the Nautilus." So he took me down to the sub base. It was right down the street, and I went aboard a diesel sub, went into the Navy, became a naval officer for thirty years. Then they said, "Yeah, but you know what?" Nautilus was more. So you were in the Navy for 30 years? Yeah, I started out in the Army during Vietnam. I was an Army intelligence officer, and then they moved me into the Navy, and I was in Naval Intelligence. In fact, a really interesting fact that only recently can I tell you without shooting you is the Titanic was a cover for a series of military operations I was doing. Really? On the th uh, we had lost two submarines during the Cold War, the Thresher and the Scorpion, and they wanted me to, that we'd lost nuclear weapons on the Scorpion, and they wanted me to find them. And they didn't want the Russians to know where we were, so I had to have a cover story. So it was looking for the Titanic. Yeah, and were, yeah. were they, were they, they were in the general area? They were in the general nearby. So I was, I actually, I had to do their mission first. And I had. So you find them? Yeah, find I them? did. And I, I found, I did a whole job, but then I ate up most of the time. You know, I only had 12 days left finding the Titanic, so I had to get creative and lucky. So how'd you get creative? Well, I, I learned something from the. Thresher and the Scorpion, these are submarines that, that imploded, you know, went off by bombs. Yeah. The case of the Scorpion, it, it was in uh, almost 12,000 feet of water, almost the same depth as the Titanic. 
And, you know, they implode at, uh, you know, 1,500 feet. They're going to go off like a bomb. And so all that stuff starts falling to the bottom, you know, everything you can imagine. And when I got down there, instead of a round circle, it was a long, long comet. And then I realized the current was carrying the light stuff. It's like separating the wheat from the chaff, yeah. throw it up in the air, mm -hmm. the wheat falls down, chaff. Get a debris field. And so I said, why would the Titanic have a debris field, too? Because it broke in half. So now you're down there, and you yeah. found the two subs. Yeah, and then, and I, so then, then they told me happened? I could. Well, they then told me I could go and find, go after the Titanic. And so, were you in a submarine or? A no, I did it all with robots. You know, I got out of submarines a long time ago because I spent them a whole time in an elevator. You know, when I when I dove to twenty thousand feet, it's six hours each way. You know, imagine your day at the office, six yeah. hours down, six hours back. Long commute. Well, not much time to work. I wanted to spend a lot of time on the bottom, and the only way I could do that was to rep have an out-of-body experience, and that's really what I do now. I can put everything on my iPhone. Hmm. I can, uh, I'll tell you, uh, you know, I don't have to go to sea anymore. So what was the first thing you saw that made you think you might have found it? Well, we picked up debris, and then, but it looked like, you know, it was in the, it's, it was in this. Like uh, teacups or something? No, or a bunch of rusty stuff, you know, rusty pipes and things yeah. like that. But it was also uh, in the, in the uh, convoy routes. So we knew a lot of other ships had gone down. So we, we didn't expect to, the first thing to see was the Titanic. We expected to have to wade through a lot of other stuff. Yeah. So when they first picked up the debris, uh, they didn't even come and get me. They just said, nah, I don't, he, I just gone to bed. And they said, don't wake him up, you know. You know. And then they got in a big argument and said, no. And I had, I had a tape running, so I heard all it. And they said, uh, oh, we better go get him. He said, I don't want to go get him. I want to stay here, you know, the big argument. And then the, no one wanted to go get me because they wanted to watch the tube, you know, and see what else was coming along. And the cook happened to be up getting ready for breakfast, and he stuck his head in, and they said, go get him. And so they, they went up and get me, and I was, actually, I was up, up in the chief scientist quarters up near the bridge, so way up in La La Land. And the cook normally doesn't go there. And so the cook sticks his head in. I said, what do you want? He said, the guys think you might want to come down. Man, I was out of there. Like a rocket. Like a rocket, I came in, and then we saw the boiler. It was the boiler that uh, was, that was, we had the picture of it on the wall. So everyone looked at the TV, looked at the picture, and then we knew it was Titanic. Wow. But then we didn't find the ship itself for another couple of days. Really? Yeah, we had a, it, it, it moved it all, so yeah, far? It took off. Was it, was it under a lot of debris? I mean, no, a lot no, of under it took sea off. floor? It took, it actually, the other stuff went straight down, like the boiler. But the bow went off. It flew. It flew away. So how far away was it? Was, uh, from the... Almost a kilometer away. Really? So we had to figure that all out, yeah. sort it all out, and then we found it. And then, then we were a little afraid to go over there because we didn't know if it was going to bite us. Yeah. Because it had rigging and stacks, and we had to get within 12 feet to get a picture. So I had to build up my courage and go around and around. Finally, I went over. Yeah, but did you go down there? The next finally? year, I physically yeah. went down. Yeah. But then I brought my first robot because I wanted to get inside, and I couldn't do that with submarine. So right. I had to go down the grand staircase. I built a little robot. It was designed to go in the forward torpedo room with the Scorpion. I couldn't tell anyone. Navy paid for that. But, uh, no, I went inside because uh, I want to go down So what did that? what did that do for your career? I mean, did that oh, just launch pluses you? Pluses and minuses, you know? Yeah. Pluses and minuses. Uh, Certainly lose a lot of privacy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and you know, people thought, uh, you know, I got criticized by my scientific colleagues for doing something silly, like find the Titanic. Uh, my director was furious with me. Why did they think it was silly? They thought it was unbecoming. Of, of a true scientist? Yeah, a true scientist. I see. Well, it's only the most famous shipwreck. I know. <laughs> I caught a lot of flack for it. But, uh, 
I was okay. I recovered. Yeah, you didn't. Did. Did. Now you also the Bismarck. Yeah. How'd you? Why'd you go after it? Well, National Geographic liked the fact that Titanic was the number one rated show in the history of cable television. Yeah. <laughs> because they could you do that again? You know. So I I, I went after the Bismarck. And was that hard to find? Harder, actually. Is that right? Well, you know that you know when I first told Geographic I wanted to go off the Titanic, that I was nuts. And then when I found it, they were standing next to me in three nanoseconds. Yeah, but yeah. Then when I told them I was going after the Bismarck, they said, sure. And I went out, I didn't find it. First time out, I didn't find it. And I came, I was coming back and I had a film crew. I spent a lot of memberships to the society that afternoon. And they said, uh, so what do you think? And they got the cameras rolling. You know, you, you can't say what you really want to say, right. you know. So I looked at the camera and I said, round one to the Bismarck. I know where it isn't. <laughs> And, and they did. I eliminated most of the search area. I said, let me go back. I'll get it. And they let me and I got it. And you got time. it. Where, where was it? Well, it was on us. You know, it sunk the hood. Yeah. and But it had been damaged by the, by the battle with the hood. And it was trying to get back to Brest, France. So it was due west of Brest and south of Ireland and uh, 16,000 feet of water. And uh, that's when Churchill, you know, issued the order, sink the Bismarck. Yeah. And they got lucky. They jammed its rudder in a turn, and then they came and took it out. What about uh, Kennedy's PT-109? That was a needle in a haystack. That was Yeah, because that's not a very big thing. No, no, that was a tiny thing. But uh, Was it intact? No, no. Well, the, the, the school of thought was that this Japanese destroyer ran over it, cut it in half. And so the thought was, well, there's a half of it, half of it. And then there was some discussion about the bow had washed ashore, and which turned out none of this to be true. But uh, so everyone thought that where it was was where it hit, where the destroyer ran over it, wasn't there. <laughs> and uh, so I climbed up on the volcano and I got out the guy's logbook and read it, sitting at the spot where he wrote it, and I got some bearings and figured out it's over there, and that's where it was. Wow! How deep was it? That wasn't deep. It was about 1,500 feet. Not there to walk in the park for us. I'm sure I've heard you say that the ocean floor is probably less uh, explored yeah. than moon than the moon. Oh, we got better maps of, of Mars than yeah. than uh, half of our own country. Fifty percent of the United States is underwater. Full of resources. I didn't know that. Oil and trillions of dollars worth of oil and gas. Unbelievable mineral resources. We're finding copper, lead, silver, zinc, and gold in commercial concentrations. We're finding strategic minerals coating on the sides of seamounts in American waters. And we haven't even mapped our own country. Yeah. That's nuts. So it, is that your next yep, quest? Yep. I'm moving my ship, and we're going to start exploring America. And we're doing a big article in National Geographic November issues, 125th anniversary of the Society. And we're going to do an article in the November issue called exploring the hidden America. We're going to pull it out and big show you the ball game. That's fantastic. Well, everybody's struggling with this. These STEM uh, graduates try, are start struggling with trying Just to turn them on to maximize you know? uh, STEM graduates. So maybe at the end, that'll be a more important contribution. Oh, I think my legacy the, in the long run will be yeah, the kids. Yeah. You know, I was, you know, I'm the I'm 13th generation, but I'm the first generation to go to college and graduate in my family. So I was raised by Midwesterners, by farmers and ranchers, and my father was a cowboy. And my grandmother, my grandmother said, you know, 
and she attributed her saying to Johnny Appleseed. She said, great is the person who plants a tree knowing they will never sit in its shade. Right. And that's these kids. You know, I'm 71. I, I'll never see the fruit. But I'm going to plant those trees. That's fantastic. Bob, Pleasure. thank you very much. And then Bob Ballard proves that you can be born in Oklahoma and end up discovering half of the United States underwater. Yeah, absolutely. I need you. Come on aboard. We would like to thank Robert for all of his astonishing contributions to science and for speaking with us. I was given the task of going through the archives to find a good podcast for this week, and this one jumped out at me. And I hoped you all enjoyed this podcast as much as I have. That's it for this week's Inside OSU podcast. I'm Kelsey Briggs. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And as always, go Pokes!